This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Hafa Lombardino, and this is Translation Confessional. I have to say that this will be probably the first episode for Translation Confessional that will have the explicit tag. And it's really, <laughs> it needs to have the explicit yeah, yeah. tag because we're talking does, about really words. Does. Exactly. We're talking about words that as translators, we can't really be you know, upset about uh, cuss words or anything because no. uh, we deal with language, we deal with terminology, and that's, the I think, the beauty of it. Neutral Spanish in audiovisual translations. I was really looking forward to the upcoming episodes of Translation Confessional because I have a few conversations that I'm eager to share with you. Today, we'll have part one of a two-part interview with Damian Santigui, audiovisual translator and translation instructor from Argentina. We sat down to talk about his thesis on the dubbed version of the movie Deadpool and also ended up talking about neutral Spanish in audiovisual translations, regional expressions, accents in Spanish-speaking content, preparing the new generation for shifts in audiovisual translation demands, and a lot more. Let's just say we geeked out on translation, subtitling, dubbing, and language. No wonder Damian's alias on social media is Tradugeek. I hope you enjoy this animated conversation and stay tuned for part two when we'll go through some specific examples from his Deadpool case study. In the meantime, visit Damian's website for more information on his work and to read all about what he found out during his research once his thesis is published. In a previous episode called Playing Tags with Cat Tools, I talked about the difficulties of working with useless tags in Word files converted from PDFs. If you want to get rid of these useless tags quickly, I recommend using Trans Tools. Trans Tools is a suite of plugins in Microsoft Office that increases translators' productivity. Removing useless tags from Word documents is very easy. Before importing your document into the Cat Tool, Open it in Word. Run the Document Cleaner tool from the Trans Tools tab and click a button. Document Cleaner will remove all the useless formatting that causes redundant tags, but it will preserve all the important formatting like bold or text colors. If you wanted to give it a try, go to this webpage, tinyurl.com tc-trans-tools. Give Trans Tools a try and let me know how you like it. Thank you so much, Damien, for uh, accepting this invitation. Uh, when I read about your work, I was really, really curious about it. So tell me how you came up with this, with this idea to write a thesis on dubbing. 
Well, uh, the thing is that I, I've been working informally with this for many years. Uh, you know, I do have a blog and then I've been writing about that in my blog. So I was always curious how to see in these products, you cannot understand why the quality is so low or, or, or in some cases, the, the, the product is only aimed at certain audiences, like in the case of Deadpool, that movie that I analyzed. And so I really wanted to dig, dig deep in this. And that's why I decided to work on my thesis on that. Also, me being in Argentina, you know, since I've been teaching subtitling for 12 years now, I've always tried to tell my students that neutral Spanish is not Mexican Spanish. So whenever I, whenever I see a, a, a big product like this one and many others come to us in this neutral Spanish that is not actually neutral, uh, I always get so infuriated. So <laughs> I wanted to do that. But, but also um, here in Latin America, there are not many thesis on audiovisual translation translation yet that's something that's very common in Europe but not but not in Latin America so we have another another one which is uh Gabriela's Canduras thesis on neutral Spanish in general so I think we need to start writing more about that and that's also the reason why I decided to do it but the thing is that we we as a professional audiovisual translators we need to let people know that this is not the best choice and I would really love here in Latin America to see regional versions, not only from Argentina, and now we have some cases in, in Netflix with movies being translated to Argentinian Spanish, but that's only the case for Argentina and mainly Mexico. So there are many other countries in Latin America that are being left out. I think that's the main problem, having to face a product that you don't know what's going on and that the effect is not the same and it could have been better. The thing is that it can be improved. I mean, the, the Mexican translators, they are not responsible for having work, you know? <laughs> if, if they have the work and, and that's, uh, that's good for them, but they need to, and we all as a community need to realize that uh, we are translating for the whole continent. In many cases, including also the states. So I think that that's something we, we need to consider. Yeah, that's awesome. And at what university were you with again? I work now at several universities here in Argentina, mainly University of Buenos Aires and, and Lenguas Vivas, but also at the Universidad Museo Ser Argentino, uh, many other universities here. And I did this one with the Ateneum University uh, in Poland through Istrad. And also I had the pleasure to be working with Patrick Sarbeascoa uh, as my director of thesis. That was also a very, very, very good for me because he's a friend of mine. And so it's always nice to have someone like that guide you. And where uh, can we read the thesis if we want to? And uh, is it only in Spanish? Is it available in English? Yeah, at the moment it's only in Spanish. I'm planning to remove some parts of it and, and make some papers in English because I, I really, uh, like I told you, there's not much written about neutral Spanish. The first thesis on this was presented in July, and it's also in Spanish. It's, it's very weird for me because it makes sense in a way, but you have like hundreds of theses on audiovisual translation in Europe, particularly in Spain, and no one cares about neutral Spanish. <laughs> and, and even if, when it's something that in Spain even, they will see these versions up to the end of the 80s, you know? So it's not that they are completely 
this is something that is completely foreign for them. In Spain, particularly, they, they will hear Latin American versions of the movie all from the early beginnings in the 1930s to the 1990s. So when I first started doing this, diving myself into the academic world, I thought that, was go- that I was going to find a lot of works on this. Uh, because, you know, there are many, I don't know, theses on humor or maybe on, I don't slangs. know, analysis, slangs and all that. So, okay, I thought, well, why is nobody writing about this? So even Fede Chaume, which is the, like, the main name in dubbing, ha- has written very little about Neutral Spanish. I, I know that he's interested in coaching people from Latin America and, because we are the ones that should be writing about that. But, well, that's why I wanted to do that. It's not yet available in Spanish either because I have yet to get my diploma from the university and have all the uh, um, things settled, but I will be uh, publishing it in my networks. So, And also I will be offering dissertations in, in English. I did present it on this in, at the Languages in the Media a few years ago, but... Uh, there are not many cases in English. I, I mostly talk about this here in conferences in Argentina mainly. Okay. Yeah, but after the bureaucracy is out of the way yeah. and you get your diploma and everything, <laughs> just let me know because I really want to read this. Okay. Um, I, I just love comparing uh, notes, the, the slangs, the specific wording, some of the, um, the word choices and the accents. And it's funny because my Spanish is more from Spain because of my experiences studying Spanish when I was still in Brazil, which is completely crazy when you think Brazil <laughs> surrounded by so many countries that speak Spanish and I was learning, you know, Spanish from Spain. But, but I remember... That's weird. <laughs> it is weird. It is really weird. Well, it's right when Mercosur started when I was a teenager and then Spanish classes were popular. So everybody already studied English. They started with Spanish classes at the same language schools. Uh, some teachers were not very qualified because, you know, Brazil <laughs> and, and Spanish, like, oh, we're all, you know, speaking the same language. Anyway, but I had a very good first teacher who was from Spain. And the material was with a Spanish accent. All the tapes that you have to listen and yeah. people watching <laughs> right now, they're not my age, don't know what tapes are. But <laughs> but it's it's. Crazy, but it was just so entertaining to just jump into it, already having the experience of being an English learner, you know, for a few years. Uh, I just watched um, a movie that has uh, actors that speak Spanish from a variety of countries and involved some changing of accents because an actor from Mexico was supposed to be playing someone from Puerto Rico, I believe. And then the main mm-hmm. actor is from Venezuela and he's playing a Cuban. And then he has. The Wasp Network, I think that's it's a Netflix movie, and it's about a real case, uh, mainly with uh, Cuba because of the whole embargo, and then some people coming Mm. from Cuba looking for political asylum. Some people were double agents, so it was really interesting, and especially with uh, Penelope Cruz was playing a Cuban character. So with her (laughs) being from Spain, I was really curious about it because I love her to death, but. She made uh, this one movie back in the um, early 2000s, which plays a Brazilian. And I'm still upset about that because she's awesome, (laughs) amazing actress. But the looks when she's not talking, yes, she could pass for a Brazilian. But when she would say something that was supposed to be Brazilian, um, even when she was cussing in the movie, instead of saying merda, she says mierda. 
And I'm like, that's not what we say in Portuguese in Brazil. So it's like, I just really wanted to watch that movie to just get the whole, the story behind how those actors were, were talking. And one of the main differences there too is that the Venezuelan actor doing a Cuban accent also speaks Russian. So the, the wife can hear it because it's, you know, spy kind of stuff. And he's speaking to an actor, speaking also with a Cuban accent, but he's Brazilian. Is the same actor that played <laughs> in Narcos, uh, played a Colombian. Oh. So it's just so fascinating to see those people, not just the Spanish speakers, trying to speak with a different accent and trying to be convincing in their role as a spy, that they have to be convincing as being from that country. But like in the case of Wagner Mora being Brazilian and having this history of speaking Spanish in Narcos and then in uh, WASP Network. It's, it's very nice what you were saying about the, the different characters from different countries, because now we're seeing that services like Netflix are trying to get people from all uh, Latin America to, to work. You know, I saw recently Suicide Squad, where they had this made-up country that we have different actors from, from Argentina as well, from Mexico. And so you'd never know what country it was. It could be any country. So I think uh, that's something that's uh, it's happening a lot. That's one of the main reasons why we need to to speak up as Argentinians, as, per, as Peruvians, Colombian, because I get it that Mexico is a huge country. You know, I even did in my in my work a, a comparison with uh, considering the box office numbers uh, from different countries. And in the worst cases for us, Mexico represents around 40 percent of the box office from Latin America. So that means that we matter. We, not only Argentina, of course, because it's, I'm from Argentina, but there are many other uh, interesting countries with lots of people, lots of audiovisual professional, lots of uh, uh, interest in doing a better job. So I think that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this is because I wanted to say, hey, okay, I get it what you're doing, but uh, listen, we exist as well. So you should think about us. And, and also, I think that that's a way of professionalizing a little bit more the translators from, from Latin America. You, we now have people working in Chile and Uruguay. Uh, I mean, almost every country in Latin America is doing either subtitling or dubbing. So I think um, if the neutral Spanish trend is going to continue, and that's something that we are yet uh, to see. We have to work in trying to provide the audiences the best neutral Spanish that we can. So uh, that's also why I did this. I think that uh, I come from, from a practical environment. I've always been a subtitler. I'm, I'm not an academic. And so what I always recognize is that uh, when you are trying to get your point across, you also need to be attractive with your presentation or with the thing you're using. So I'm always using examples from movies that are the hits. I, I wrote about The Hobbit, Star Wars, Game of Thrones. So I think that the best way to get the message across is doing that. If you are going to analyze a movie that no one saw, no one is going to care about reading or seeing your presentation. So I think that those things have to uh, get together. I'm, I'm never going to forget that when I presented about Star Wars in, in the Languages of the Media co conference in 2016, there was one Russian translator in the audience 
And he said, I can't believe Disney hates so much people from Latin America. Because when you see a movie that is so poorly translated that they don't care about the translation, it's not that they don't care about the translation. They don't care about the audience that is going to read that. It's not that they're against, that they have something with translators and, okay, we hate translators. No, because when you're offering a huge product like it was the episode seven, there was, I made a, an article about that, a movie that everyone is been, has been waiting for over 20 years. If, if you don't pay attention to a translation, it's not that you are leaving out just a little part of the whole process. You're leaving out the whole audience. So I think that's, of course, the audience has to realize that they have to see that. And that's when we come into work. You know, in all my classes, I always say that you constantly have to defend a profession that you constantly have to let people know what to do, what it, what it entails to do a translation, to work in a, pro in a project like that. I, I love it how some associations are doing a, a great work with this, but I think that all of us from all of different places need to be letting the people know what we do matters. So I think that's the main thing that I always try to do with my presentations, with my comments on social networks and with this uh, thesis as well. But I must say that we also, of course, need to be prepared for that. I think that here in Argentina, we are not yet prepared for that because uh, what we are seeing is that the different dubbing studios are using what they think what they believe is the verse, uh, possible version for the Argentinian version. But now you, you can imagine, like in many other countries, there's the Buenos Aires um, uh, version, and then you have the uh, places from all over the Argentina. So some people call this the, not Argentinian Spanish, but Spanish, which is specific from the Rio de la Plata. So they're calling it Rio Platense Spanish because it's mostly from Buenos Aires and Uruguay. So that's something that we need to pre be prepared for too, because uh, if you're going to have someone from Cordoba or Mendoza or many other big cities here in Argentina deal with the translation and they are told, okay, let's do this into Argentinian. Okay, but what is the... And I can assure you that the uh, people uh, insulting in... Cordoba is very, very different from here in Buenos Aires. So also we are not prepared for that yet. And no one here teaches that at the university or even in workshops or courses. So that I think that sadly also plays a part with the final product, with the acceptance or not or, or rejection of that from the audience. I think it's a good idea, but we need to be prepared for that as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And I have to say that I've been noticing this trend. I'm not from Argentina, but I've been noticing this trend. And it feels kind of um, annoying from my perspective, I imagine from someone from Argentina like you, because even the movies that I've been watching uh, in the original Spanish, they always have, you always can spot the bad guy or the bad woman, <laughs> the, the villain in the story, because they have an Argentinian accent. And <laughs> yeah. mostly it's because they hired Argentinian actors. Uh, I can think of two, uh, La Valle, which is a series from Netflix. It's, I believe it was uh, done in one of the stations in Spain and was acquired by Netflix for international release. Mm. 
And uh, the, the lady uh, that is married to one of the big shots in the government, she is the only one that has an Argentinian accent, the only one that kind of has a non-standard Spanish, you know, Madrid mm -hmm. kind of accent, besides the nosy neighbor that has more of, I think, a northern accent, I believe. So those two accents really stand out from the, the standard. And of course, the Argentinian lady, I don't think I'm giving any spoiler alerts here because she <laughs> is the, the villain in this case. And also, uh, I believe it's a series based on a book. It's a trilogy, three movies from Netflix. I believe it's El Guardian del Bosque. I think mm -hmm. it's the uh, kind of, you know, police investigation, some supernatural things going on. And mm -hmm. you have an Argentinian character as well that kind of stands out. And I won't talk much about him because there's... There's more to the character than meets the eye, and it's played by Leonardo Sbaraglia. I think that's how you say his name, right? Yeah. And it's like that's how it stands out a lot because everybody else has the Spanish kind of, um, I believe, also kind of northern uh, accent, and then he's the one that you know stands out. So um, I I am annoyed by this trend as well. So uh, I I am sympathetic of this with you and all the Argentinian people watching the international shows right now. <laughs> Uh, in that in that way, we are, we are feeling a bit like the Mexican people now, so <laughs> we have that in common as well. Um, but you know, the thing is that um, he, now we are we are Netflix is trying to do uh, shows translated into Argentinian Spanish, and they are trying to do something that is uh, very different. It's a very different approach from the one that Disney took, for instance, 15 years ago. You know, there were some movies that Disney decided to dub into Argentinian Spanish, like um, Cars, The Incredibles. There was the other one. Um, I never get the name right. The one from the the mouse in France. Uh, um, Ratatouille. Ratatouille, Ratatouille. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and those movies, people hated them here. They didn't want to hear... An Argentinian talking uh, in the movie. They, they, I think that the, the problem with that is that they over-localized the movie. You know, they even changed the name of the streets or something like that. But now Netflix is translating some movies and some series that are not big hits. There are something that for the, the latest case is Midnight Mass, which is a miniseries. And it's a, it's a horror miniseries and it doesn't have many regional things so even though it's it's translated into Argentinian Spanish you cannot even tell <laughs> that that's the case I mean they're using the voceo the boss instead of the two with that is one of the uh, big uh, alarms there but um, it's not it's nothing like Deadpool or something like that so they don't have like many insults and something like that but they're doing that they uh, just premiered um a Nacho show called uh, Animal, I think. I, that, I think that's what's the yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Also, also, tra also translated into Argentinian. So we'll see what happened with that. But it's not something like uh, like they did in the past, like Disney did in the past. Like, okay, this this big movie is going to be translated into Argentinian in Spanish, and we are going to have like these big names from Argentina playing these characters and all that. No, they're doing it silently. <laughs> so maybe that's something that in the future, in the near future, can change. And so that in that way, industry here is going to grow. We're going to be doing something that is new for us. We never did that. There were some channels here that uh, asked you to translate into Argentinian Spanish, some local networks 
but uh, we never had like Spanish movies in the cinemas or or in these services. So that's something uh, of a trend now, and I hope that it sticks. Let's see what the audience think about that. And I would like to see that in other countries as well, you know, and like in Colombia, Venezuela, uh, Chile, those countries that have a long tradition, some of them uh, doing the work need to be recognized um, and have their own versions. I think if if Spain does have their own versions, why why can't we have our our own versions? Yeah, I do agree. And I think about, you know, comparing to Portuguese, that we have just the dichotomy of Brazil and Portugal. And the African countries are kind of, you know, left aside, like they don't exist. <laughs> they all consume the Portuguese from Portugal. The Portuguese version. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just imagining so many more countries that speak Spanish. And you can achieve something neutral when it's something more standard and official, you know, and uh, like I said, Midnight Mass has a lot of uh, Bible passages, a lot of uh, religion into it, which is kind of standard for most countries. Mm -hmm. But when you come to something more specific, something that is slangy, something that is very regional, it must be a nightmare. And I can understand how, you know, the production companies are trying to save money as well to not have so many different versions. With subtitling, you can do a little better because you can just hire one person or one team to take care of it, but imagine just the costs, the overhead costs and expenses with dubbing everything for each particular uh, market. But still, if uh, you don't do a good job, the audience just will be turned off to that. But but they're they're doing it with marketing. You know, here, if you go walking around the streets, you're going to see posters from the latest Netflix movie uh, with uh, some taglines which are specific to Argentina. No, for instance, we now have uh, the new Ryan Reynolds movie coming with, uh, I think it's um, Red Something called, I don't know what, what, what the name is, with The Rock. And so they are printing and putting all over the city these huge signs with specific taglines. We are, we're not going to have, a, on Sunday, we have elections here in Argentina. And so there's this whole idea that all the different political parties are stealing our money and all that. So they're, they're using that, which I thought it was uh, genius. They're using that, uh, like they're using the word uh, chorros, which is uh, like a very, very uh, local word to, to refer to that. And so can you uh, make out how much money they are spending to do that? I can assure you that subtitle and a, and a dub version of a movie is far far less expensive than whatever um, even the printing cost of the signs i get it what you're what you're saying of course at least the subtitle version it's like very very cheap for them so they can actually do it but i think that even in some cases in with some movies we can have like a, a dub a good dub version in in different uh, regional uh, versions yeah, I completely understand and agree with you. And uh, your point is spot on because it's not only about audiovisual translations, but when you talk about marketing and when you talk about legal, when they're trying to get clearance for something to make sure that they're not going to get into legal trouble, even for technical translations, for corporate translations, they spend so much time and resources in clearing with marketing and with the legal department 
and they leave us very little time and very little resources and it's not within the budget for them to actually invest in <laughs> translations right they pay all the lawyers they pay an amazing marketing team advertising agency but when it comes to translators okay we took five months to put this content together you have two days <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to pay you very little for that. So I completely understand <laughs> the point. And um, yeah. yeah, I just hope that the more content is being created out there, the more we discuss these issues, the more people yeah. will be uh, more aware of what it is that we do. Because I think that a lot of the problems yeah. is that people just don't know what we do. And they think that we just press a button and magically things happen. And they don't understand yeah. that a whole movie takes days to translate correctly. Sure. It's not because the movie's two hours long that we're going to be done in two hours with <laughs> subtitles. Hour, yeah, three hours. <laughs> yeah, so fast. How long did it take you? <laughs> yeah, the, the best case scenario, you can, you could have six minutes of audiovisual material for one hour of work, but that's you know when you already have a lot of experience. If you don't find a lot of issues along the way, so that's the best case scenario. Sometimes it takes two minutes of audiovisual, and you just spend a whole hour working on it because you found some obstacles and you have to clear something with the project manager. Can I use this cuss word? Do I have to use something else? So it just it takes time, and I hope that not just the fight of the Spanish, the neutral Spanish. But just being recognized as, you know, audiovisual materials and how important it yeah. is to connect with the audience. Yeah, I think that what, what you said is right. Something what, that, that's, that is, everyone is talking about right now, you know, we have now with the, with the Squid Game, this situation, particularly in Spain, where they realized that they were doing the post-editing of the English version translated into, into Spanish, which is also a big problem because the, that version was not good. I saw many YouTube videos and articles dealing with the translation from Korean into English. So I think that's, that's something that sadly we, are, we, have, we have to fight all the time. Because now, uh, two days ago, one of the, the biggest companies in the world said that the problem is that there's a shortage of translators. That's something that's, why are you saying that it's in of course, you have like a very low rates, you have like post editing, like you have these horrible conditions, like doing a movie one day to the, uh, to the other and all that. So of course, you're going to have a, like uh, people not wanting to have to deal with that all the time. But that's something that I think that's the, the main thing I, I took away from all the situation is that uh, the big companies, the big names, and the big names are Netflix, Disney, HBO, they are the ones that need to care. Definitely. On that note, I just have to say that I agree. And that uh, <laughs> I, I thank you so much for giving that perspective, because talking to other professionals, they go through the same thing is just great to get the different perspective about the same theme and to see where we agree and how things are different depending on our languages. So I really appreciate it. Let us know when everything comes out so I can just post the link everywhere and people can read about it. And I really appreciate uh, your sharing your information because uh, we have to pay more attention to that, definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Send me an email at rlombardino at wordawareness.com or leave a voice message on my Anchor page. If I get enough feedback and voice messages, I can go back to the subject and post a special podcast episode with everyone's opinion on this very same theme. By the way, my Anchor page is anchor.fm.
dot fm slash translation dash confessional. I look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned for weekly episodes and subscribe to Translation Confessional through your favorite podcast app.